Welcome to the Multifamily by the Slice Podcasts with your hosts, Dre Evans and Ike Eke. On this show, you'll gain unique perspectives from investors and professionals on all aspects of the apartment investing space. Do you want to achieve legacy wealth and live a life of financial freedom? Well, all it takes is that first slice of wisdom to get you started on the journey to building your empire. Please subscribe to the show, leave a five-star review, and pass it along to a friend that can benefit from a slice of multifamily knowledge. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Multifamily by the Slice. Today, we had Jonathan New on the show, and it was a real fun episode. There were a lot of laughs had in this episode, which is always refreshing. Real estate can be very serious sometimes, but also it can be fun sometimes when you 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 know discuss some of the old stories, some of the battle stories that you had from back in the day, and you know discuss the lessons learned and what you're going to do going forward. And we did a lot of that today. Jonathan is very experienced. He has always closing in on a thousand units. He started in flips and uh, single family, but he then transitioned to multifamily, and he provides a lot of experience. He provides a lot of intelligence and. It was a fantastic show. What'd you think, Trey? He has a great last name. You know, like <laughs> the new, new. Reminds me of ATL. Yeah. Old girl. Uh-huh. <laughs> but uh, I thought it was a great show, man. He, Jonathan and I already had ties and he mentors one of my Naval Academy classmates who did a 12 unit and then a 16 unit syndication deal. And he's actually going to be on the show very soon. So excited for that too. But overall, it was just a great show. He has so much good energy, started off with single family homes. And then he discusses how he pivoted. And then now, as you mentioned, approaching a thousand units for my listeners out there, you're going to love his discussion on exit strategies. So stay tuned for that. You're also going to love the discussion that we talk about forming a property management team, managing multifamily units. And then even if you have a property management company, some of the positives and the failures and the things that you can do to be more efficient. So if you want to learn about that, check out the episode and stay tuned for it. And he even talks about a very unique way to grow your network that I've never heard anyone pitch it the way he did in the episode. So if you want to hear about all those insights, definitely stay tuned. And I think that you will be doing a disservice for for my investors out there, beginner or advanced. If you don't listen to the episode to the end and you be doing yourself a disservice in terms of learning the management of multifamily real estate and how to network in an actionable way. So without further ado, let's get into it. Welcome to the Multifamily by the Slice podcast. I'm your host, Dre Evans, or Deep Dish Dre. You've got Ike, aka the amazing co-host as well. And I just want to thank everyone for tuning in for another great episode. If you're a first-time listener, please be sure to hit the subscribe button. And if you're a returning listener, please leave us a five-star review. Now, it's Wednesday. It's home day when we're recording this. Okay. Ike, I got to check in with you, man. How are you doing today? <laughs> I'm doing good, man. Like I was mentioning to both you and Jonathan before we press the record button, things are moving fast and furious. In fact, a couple of minutes ago, I just got an email from my mortgage broker requesting 
a plethora of documentation that I'll now have to, you know, scramble up and, and send back to him because I'm in the middle of a refi. Um, but that's all part of the game. And that's honestly, you know, a quick lesson to the listeners there. There's always going to be pushback when you're going through a transaction on a deal, whether you're buying it, whether you're selling it, whether you're refinancing it, whether you're doing seller financing, whatever, there's always going to be back and forth. So whenever you're in the trenches, you know, just keep on moving forward. Eventually it'll get to close and you'll get to get the deal that you want or sell the deal that you want. So a little lesson to the audience there. How about you, Dre? How you doing, man? Man, it has been a busy week. It's only Wednesday and I feel like so much has happened. We've got the Cabo deal, as you know, still going down. We'll probably close finishing the raise at the end of August. And then as I mentioned to you through text, looking to buy another multifamily here in San Diego. So I'm already talking to lenders. I'm back at the underwriting table looking at deals. So I'm just, I'm in it, bro. I'm in it. It's so the fun part. Time. This is it's, fun. Yeah. It's the fun part. This yeah. is what we live for. Yeah. <laughs> well, with no further ado, let me introduce Jonathan New. He's our guest today, and he is also a Naval grad along with uh, our illustrious Andre Evans, and he invests in real estate across the country. So with that said, I'll let Jonathan fill in the gaps and give us a little about his history and what he's doing today. Hey, well, thanks for having me, guys. I, I love you guys. You guys are got, <laughs> you guys bring so much personality to this business that has very little personality. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, we appreciate it. But I'm actually not a Naval Academy graduate. I'm not as good as... <laughs> I went to Auburn and got uh, graduated from there, and I've been in the Navy ever since. I'm still in the Navy, actually. I'm a I'm a Navy commander. I'm the XO of the ROTC unit at Florida. It's my twilight tour, as we call it. So I got two years <laughs> left until we uh, until I graduate into the um, retired ranks. We got to change it up, Ike. We we have to address him as sir now. Oh, yeah. By all means, do that. <laughs> Mr. Jonathan, sir. <laughs> Josh, <your mouth. laughs> uh, but uh, about 14 years ago, my wife got in, uh, my wife and I got into the real estate business with single family stuff. And we had a couple of rentals and it got hit pretty hard with the, the 2008 crash, lost like half the value of everything. So we became landlords. And well, it, it, for a while, we didn't think real estate was very uh, fun because we were underwater. Uh, but eventually the value started coming back and and we were able to refinance into a, a loan that allowed us cash flow. And I had the great idea that, um, hey, this is cash flowing and these people are paying my mortgage. It's like, that's like $400,000. So let's go out and buy a couple of more. So then we started doing the single family flips and burr strategies and things like that. And it got to the point where I was doing four or five every single month while active duty and raising kids and all that stuff. And it just got so overwhelming that I kind of spit the bit a little bit and uh, decided that I needed to do a team and level up into something a little more professional, which is when I started doing the syndications of large multifamilies. I got invited to be a tiny partner of 104 unit in Chesapeake, thanks to Phil Caprone, who's also a prior Navy. And had just really haven't looked back since, ever since. First deal was like a 16 unit up there. Now uh, we formed Fairwinds with three other guys and uh, we were about to eclipse 600 units here in the beginning of September. And then we just got another 330 units under contract in San Antonio. 
So we'll probably end up eclipsing a thousand units by the end of the year and just loving every minute of it. The teamwork, the, the scalability of the business concept, it's just been fantastic. I love it. I love it. I, I, I do want to um, go back to way back one when you just got started. You mentioned something very interesting. In 2008, because of the economics of the time, you became underwater, right? And then you said a, a very key thing. You said you became landlords. So explain to the audience that scenario and with a little more detail and, and how that came to be. Absolutely. So it, it's very applicable to where we're at right now as well, uh, with the recession starting to come into effect, and interest rates being hiked up and whatnot. It's a little bit different, but at the time we bought a house here in Jacksonville, Florida, which is where we live now, but it was in the north part. We bought it for $200,000 and then I got orders to Japan and we tried to sell it. Uh, we bought it in 2007, tried to sell it in 2009 but the value of it was $100,000. So we literally lost half the value of it and you can't sell it and take a $100,000 hit. So we kept it and we managed the property from across the world. And um, that's how we got into being landlords and having tenants and and really treating it as more of a profession than a, uh, just a, a side hobby or anything like that. But when you do own the real estate, it's, the value of it being underwater, it's not really, you don't really feel it unless you're trying to do a refinance or sell it. So mm-hmm. it's sort of imaginary money until you go to sell it. So um, that's how we weren't able to lose our shirts at the time. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's another good point that you make that, you know, stocks and bonds, they're, they reprice every day, right? You can go on to yahoofinance.com. You can go to Bloomberg. You can go to CNBC and see the price of a stock at any moment during the day, real estate only only reprices when you transact on it. So regardless of whether you're down 50% in the equity value or up 50%, it doesn't really matter until you reprice. And so with that said, say there's you know a listener out there, ex-listener that's been flipping properties or is looking to flip properties, and they want to make sure that in the event that the market does turn around in a negative way, they are still you know, financially sound by way of being able to rent the property. How would you recommend or how would you advise them to underwrite their flips to incorporate the possibility of having to hold it long-term? Yeah, well, absolutely. I would always, the Burr method was my primary business strategy, but I did flips on the side as well. And I would always evaluate every project as a flip and a um, as a burr itself, being able to refinance and take out most of the original income, income, but down payment as well as making sure that it cash flows Mm -hmm. time. Rents have been going up. We don't, we, from an analytics standpoint, we don't count the last two years of rent growth as as being like the standard. We we go back 10 years, uh, 15 years to try to get what a historical year over year rent growth, organic rent growth is for a particular market. But a project really has to have multiple exit strategies. You can't just go in with, with a hit and hope kind of an attitude uh, to real estate investing. You just can't. Uh, having that secondary, even tertiary or quaternary uh, exit strategy is hyper important. Lenders are going to make sure that you have the secondary exit strategy at least reputable and good lenders will. Uh, some people like hard money lenders. 
they're still going to ask you for your exit strategies, but there are a couple out there that'll that'll lend to you with only one exit strategy, hoping that you fail and they get to take the property back. Yeah, they have multiple exit strategies in that scenario. <laughs> yeah, they do. You know they do. <laughs> so, so yeah, that's it. Yeah. So so fast forwarding till today, you just mentioned that you're you're about to pass the one thousand unit mark, which is, you know, a, a big mark in this industry. So congratulations on that. Tell us, right. tell us in the audience a little bit more about Fairwinds, the team that it that makes up the company and your role at Fairwinds. Right. So I'm the director of Fairwinds. It doesn't mean that I'm like ultimately in charge of everything. We have four of us. We've got we're veteran founded. We have a, a retired lieutenant commander, a lieutenant that just got out of the Navy. And we have a merchant marine who lives out in San Fran, uh, San Francisco. Vadim Ray is our lieutenant. He's about to move to San Antonio since we're increasing our portfolio there by a lot. He's going to be our boots on the ground. And Corey Chonsky is our big, he's our integrator of the team. He's our big doer, our asset manager. He he is hands-in and everything. He's our he's our alpha dog, I would say. <laughs> and Spreet is our San Francisco-based guy. He's actually in India, concluding a month-long uh, vacation to see his family. And he is big time into connections. Uh, he's been just a godsend. We also have a marketing team that works for us. We have an accounting team, uh, legal. We're a one-stop shop. We do have our own property management company, but it's small at this point. We're growing it out uh, through some acquisitions in, in uh, Norfolk. Uh, if you guys have Tillman on as a guest, he we manage his properties for him and and we're just trying to be more vertically integrated with that. We haven't even broached the subject of getting our own construction team yet, but that's probably into the future. Yeah, let's talk about that. So I want to ask two questions about that property management. First, it's fine for our listeners. What does it mean to be vertically integrated so that they know? And then tell me what led you all to create that property management team, uh, the benefits of it. How's yeah. it going? Oh, yeah, absolutely. So having your own property management company, I think a lot of people, they follow the kind of the same model where they grow, they start their own property management company, then they give it up because it's a big old pain in the butt. And then then they merge with other property management companies later on uh, when when they're more robust. Uh, But it's a it's it's a fantastic tool to have as a syndicator and operator because it allows you to have a lot more control and align interests with all the way down to the tenants. So you are in daily control of everything instead of just the asset management side of things. It allows you to charge the property a little bit less than a third-party vendor would. Therefore, it increases your NOI and therefore the value of your property. Uh, It does come with a lot of um, management pains, but at the same time, when you do keep it all in-house, the profits also stay in-house. Most of the profits in the in the case of having a property management company tend to stay within the property management company instead of trickling all the way up. So my property management company doesn't pay me a lot at all. But at the same time, I've got a lot of control and uh, benefits for our, our investors by having that vertically integrated or a company underneath Fairwinds that does the service for us. Uh, so we only have like 150 units at the moment. So it's not big enough to take on huge uh, apartment complexes over in San Antonio or Houston or any of these other op- uh, areas that we're operating in. 
But at the same point, at the same coin, we're we're building to that point. It'll take us a few. Love Does that. that. No, no, it, it was perfect, Jonathan. I want to see if we could even, if you're okay with that. There's a lot of upside to it, as we know, just being vertically indicated that you touched upon. But maybe if you want to just briefly touch on maybe what are some of the biggest challenges that you've had so far in 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 the property manager space or interesting adversities that you could discuss for our listeners and how you overcame them? Oh goodness gracious! So when you're a fledgling company like we like we like everybody is when you first start, nobody starts off at the finish line. The daily tasks and having the the employment and the income to be able to handle all that stuff at the mm-hmm. same time while growing the, the umbrella company, the Fairwinds piece of it. So we're Fairwinds and our, our property management company is following C's. Fairwinds and following C's. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I like it. I don't even, I don't have to explain that to you guys, but uh, anybody else out, that's out there that doesn't know what the heck I'm talking about. If you're not in the Navy. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. Command, that's what we say to each other. Fair winds and following Fair winds and following seas. I have one more question on, on the property management piece. And you, you mentioned, you know, some of the, the pros of property management and you mentioned some of the cons. But I'm wondering, especially as you you grow in size, you know, to that that thousand unit mark, and, and you have a lot of properties under management. How does the access to the data of you know a specific market, be by way of managing property in that market, help when you're looking for the next deal? Are are you able to underwrite better? Are you able to you know have a lot more thoughtful? analysis when you're looking at new deals or is it is it pretty much the same as when you got started well we we do it's it's kind of the same we use a lot of the same analysis tools for following C's that we do from the underwriting of acquisitions uh, costar yardy uh, apartments.com all that good stuff we still use all that for analysis and so it's 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 really overlapping to be honest. okay what advice would you give someone that a wants to start a property management company and B, let's say they already have one, but maybe some lessons learned you could share with them to be better operators. That's a great question. My um, our partner, Corey, does most of the day-to-day uh, operations of following C's. Okay. But we do, we do talk mostly at a macro level about what it's doing. I would say that don't outgrow yourself Make sure that you are plussed up on income and units uh, so that you can afford to pay, like, first of all, your, your property manager, your licensed property manager and broker. And then when you get to the point that you can afford it, then bring on your bookkeeper and your assistant and then your follow on property managers. So don't scale past where you can be solvent. Does that yeah, yeah, that makes that sense. Makes, yeah, I think that's good advice for for basically any business, right? Like you, you don't want to you you don't want to scale too far past where you're actually you know free cash flow positive. You, you're seeing in in the stock market now a lot of these tech companies that are you know basically venture backed and have massive burn rates, but don't necessarily have income or profits. They're they're getting hit the worst, and it's because people lose faith in companies that aren't making money. And yeah. your ownership group is much more concentrated in the stock market. Therefore, if one or two people lose faith in the company, then the, the company will be in, in big trouble. 
Yeah, I would I would definitely say cash flow is king. Cash flow makes everything. All right. Well, we're gonna move on to the second part of the show. It's the legacy round, Jonathan. So three <laughs> things that you can pick from. Open form on your favorite acquisition that forever changed Fairwinds as a business, practical tips on how to grow a portfolio, or how you, Jonathan, build your investor network. I'll leave oh. you to choose. Or if you wanna do round robin, I'm down to hit all three. If you want to play dominoes. Let's go. I'm going to do a little bit of round robin here. All okay, right. So okay, all right. growing out your network, I say do deals. A lot of people like to go out and go to all the, you know, go to the, the conferences, go to the conferences that have nothing to do with real estate so they can get uh, associated with all the accredited investors. It's all important. But I say do deals. I love doing deals and that the deal forcing the function of meeting people because there is no greater motivation to go out and meet people than having a deal that you need to raise money for. Those people might not invest in your deal at that moment, but you've got them in your Rolodex at that point. And you can build that relationship with them after the deal is closed and after you've jumped through all the hoops. It's a painful way to scale and grow out your network. But at the same time, it, it's rapid fire. It, it's, it's fantastic to be forced to do that. It's the same kind of concept as going out and paying $30,000 for a, um, like a, like a Michael Blanc program to learn mm -hmm. how to do it. You've got that, you've got $30,000 that you've already put into the program. Now you got to go out and make sure that you have a, a good ROI on that. But I say do deals to, uh, to make yourself go out and meet people. I love that. No one has ever approached it that way. Yeah, get in the, get in the mud people. In the game, in the shake, mud. shake hands in the mud and talk about how much it sucks. Yeah, man. Do deals. It's another great way to say, hey, look, I'm doing deals. I'm yeah. actually doing deals. I'm not just going to conferences and, and just saying, hey, look, I'm at a conference. Look at all these great people I'm meeting. And then having nothing to go <laughs> yeah. for it. Yeah. I like that. But I will say that uh, our first solo Houston deal that uh, we did as like main sponsors uh, was the heritage, and it was a it was a fantastic deal that we just closed back in in March, and the the people that we got to meet uh, across the board, family office, Ian Jurek and Danny Galvin, and and just a whole bunch of great people associated with that that project. And uh, Asset Living is our our big uh, property management third party that we're using for the uh, out of state projects is i still i get chills thinking about that project it's fantastic <laughs> we're so excited about it and that got us that uh, um helped us expand out into texas uh originally a year and a half ago i didn't think i wanted to be in texas because i thought it was um oversaturated competition yep 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 but there's there's so many there's so many properties out there um it's just it's just been great to us the heritage is the one in houston correct yes sir Okay, I know the deal. Yeah, you've got uh my buddy Marcus Long. Yes, yeah, Marcus. He's fantastic. Yeah, he's actually, he had some great feedback for us throughout the entire process. Helps you grow, gives you great feedback, and and he's just been a great partner for us. And I want to even touch on the Texas thing because you said something as as you said, Florida and Texas are one of the two most high in demand oversaturated markets right now. So what 
what ultimately you talked about the heritage deal in Houston, but what else ultimately made you say, even though that's the case, we're going to still pivot and do boots on the ground, invest in Texas. You want to talk me through that a little bit? So once you get into a market and you learn all about it, uh, you learn what's a good cap rate, what's a good price per unit, price per square foot, then you can really start to understand more and quickly analyze the projects that are being pumped in front of you. Um, And there's always something in Texas and Florida just (laughs) being thrown at everybody. But I think a lot of people are going into DFW right now, into Austin, and the Houston and San Antonio deals are still in a great secondary market that are just exploding still. So we are still uh, pumping a lot of our energy into those two markets that aren't quite as popular as the DFWs in Austin. So that's what we're doing. Nice. I like that. Not a lot of that competition with best and finals among. Oh, especially now. Uh, I don't even people. have to go hard on EMD anymore. I'm talking yeah. to these. They'll ask me quickly if I want to do any hard EMD up front. And I'm just, no, absolutely no. not. <laughs> Yeah, so for our listeners, so if you don't know what Jonathan is talking about, the multifamily space since COVID has been extremely competitive. And what was being a very common trend in multifamily in general was people putting that earnest money deposit, usually one to 2% of the purchase price, putting down. And in the case of you're talking about hundreds of units, hundreds of thousand dollars hard on day one and not getting it back. And that's how fierce and competitive it was. And that if you weren't doing that, you weren't you weren't getting the deal. You weren't even yeah. being considered. So just wanted to provide that context. Some of the listeners might be wondering what Jonathan was referring to in that particular part of the discussion. So thank you for that, Jonathan. Yeah, just wait until you have to put up three hundred thousand dollars hard on day one. You haven't even seen the guts of the property and you gotta and that's the only way you can do business. Yeah, that's it, nice. Your your stomach just goes up in your throat and you just oh. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And now a word from our show sponsor. Let me let you in on the best kept secret when it comes to investing in single or multifamily flips. Hire an interior designer. Now stay with me. We're not talking about curtains and throw pillows here. We're talking about elevating your design, reconfiguring your floor plans, and developing functional spaces, all to maximize your ROI. Melanie Renee Designs has over 12 years of experience designing in the San Diego real estate market and is ready to help you increase your profits on flips, buying holds or short-term vacation rentals reach out to melanie herself at melreneh at gmail.com that's m-e-l-r-e-n-e-h at gmail.com and make sure to tell her that we sent you all right we're going to move on to the last part of the show the giordano round it's my favorite round jonathan because (laughs) giordano's is the number one pizza spot in chicago and it's these thick meaty slices of pizza it's the best in the world and so it's going to be a series of questions. Ike and I are going to go back and forth. Four questions. Each question is going to leave our listeners fully satisfied of knowledge. Father Slice. Hmm. Mm. Bring it on. <laughs> First question. You're on the top of the highest mountain in the world. These are your last words before you die. What would you, Jonathan, scream out to the world and want them to remember you by? Uh, let's see. That would definitely be, uh, it'd be, I love my kids. It, it'd have it. to be. They're, they're everything to me, man. They're, they're the reason why. 
Shout out to the kiddos. Love yeah, it. That's, that's why we do it, right? That's why you're doing it. Yeah. yeah. It's the only thing that I, I truly live for. It's beautiful. Beautiful. All right. Number que- next question. Number two. If there was one slice of wisdom you wish you knew when you got started or advice you could pass on to others, what would it be? Skip single family. <laughs> Just skip it. Go skip straight it. to the big stuff. Yeah, that was such a it was such a painful time in, in my life. And now that everything is getting settled out here, I just I wish I could I wish I could just skip straight to the stage. And, and Vadim, my partner, is is listening and he's agreeing one thousand percent. He's been trying to get me. Oh man. He, he he was he was working me from minute one when I was still in that space. But now here we are. Okay. What are your favorite or three most? Critical real estate terms, multifamily investors should know and why. Oh gosh. Okay. I think I I, I like yield on cost, Ooh. which is hmm. a it's just basically how much you pay for a project. It's your purchase price plus your yeah, your capex and it's divided by your stabilized NOI. We try to get to about a seven to eight percent uh, yield on cost. Uh, which is a good metric to define what your true value add is on a project. I love so that. I love yield on cost. I love my personal favorite. I love equity multiple. Uh, it's a simple one. It's it's elementary. It's it's just basically a two x is you invest one hundred thousand dollars, you get two hundred thousand back from that whole thing. Yep. But it really depends on what your goals are in investing. Like a lot of people love equity multiple. Some people love only the IRR. Some people only love yield on cost. And everybody has their own one that they really latch on to. I'm still, I'm only 40 years old. So I love the equity multiple. I'm looking for something that's going to make me uh, generally, generationally wealthy in 20 years. So if I can double, triple my money four or five times over in the next 20 years, then I'll be okay. Uh, You said three terms. So the third one is going to be, I'll say, uh, let's go with cost segregation. Cost segregation. Yeah. (laughs) That's something that everybody has to look out for too. Um, So it's pulling your taxes, your tax depreciation forward so that you can uh, maximize as much of the tax, uh, the escapes of tax burden as early as, as often as you can. And then obviously you're just going to 1031 into your next project and, and just never pay capital gains taxes. I love it. All right, let's bring it home. Last question. Education is critical in this business. What books, apps, podcasts, mastermind groups would you recommend listeners immerse themselves in? Besides this one? Besides this one. Besides this one, okay. Uh, I adore Whitney Sewell's daily uh, syndication uh, podcast. I just got done reading Rocket Fuel, talking mostly about uh, being a visionary and an integrator and having those two types of personalities and business uh, minds partnered up. They really go together. I'm a visionary guy, and then Corey is our big integrator. So I love those two sources of information, and it's really carried uh, us a long way. There we go. Well, Jonathan, how can multifamily, butterflies listeners, best get in touch with you? Okay, so my website is www.fwcinvestments.com. Uh, it just basically shows who we are, everything that we're doing. You can sign up for our portal that way to get uh, into uh, our 
email threads and see what kind of offerings we have going on. If you're an unaccredited investor, that's the best way to get a hold of us and be one of our, you know, unaccredited because we can't advertise uh, 506Bs. And, but I'm also Jonathan at uh, fwcinvestments.com. I'm on LinkedIn and Facebook. Well, there you have it, folks. Another amazing episode of Multifamily by the Slowest with me, myself, Dre Evans, IKK. We got Jonathan New in the house. We want to thank everyone again for their valuable time and tuning into the show. And please, Ike and I are on a roll for those 100 reviews. We're, we're close. So close. Uh, if there's anyone that we love your support and your feedback and having those positive reviews allows you to and us to share that with someone else that can gain that knowledge and add value to them that helps uplift them and accomplish their investment needs. So please, you know, if you haven't left a review, please leave one. If you know someone else that will benefit from the show, pass it along to that fan, that family member or that friend and have them leave a review as well. We truly, truly appreciate it. So without further ado, closing out, have a blessed day. Thank you for listening to the Multifamily by the Slice podcast. Be sure to subscribe and leave a five-star review. Lastly, check out the show notes for links to topics discussed, as well as website and social media links for Dre, Ike, and our guest. See you next week.